together. We need you to stay engaged. Not just today, not just on Instagram. We need you to stay engaged until your last breath. Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell Jr., and I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker. Welcome to Humanize. We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences. We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego. The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. Yo, what's going on? It's beautiful Monday morning. Hey, today's a debrief episode. Uh, Miss Jaquita Yarborough, who is running for, I think, city council at large in Longmont. That is historic, but why is it? You know, like, it's kind of infuriating. And we'll go into it more why it infuriates me that that is an historic event. Um, But first, I want to start with the disclaimer today that y'all... Please don't think just because you hear me and Emily going in on certain topics and and being very vulnerable, um, that gives you license and permission to do so with random people that you may meet and see and talk to. And those that you are curious about, please ask for permission so that you could live to see another beautiful day. Um, I really appreciate you guys for listening and tuning in to us. And um, Emily, thank you for being here with me on this journey. Yeah. Um, Today, you you, you know what? What? Today what? is the topic. We're going to, we're going <laughs> to, <laughs> oh, you ready? Okay. We're going to be exploring power, ego, and tokenism with some other things too. But I think that'd be the baseline, the f- foundation of what we'd be talking about. Well, how you feel? <laughs> I'm laughing a little bit right now because, you know, sometimes our, our editors, sometimes, you know, people out there are like, you guys should do that like that banter, that back and forth at the beginning of an episode. And like when we do it, it's so contrived because like you and I literally don't have that kind of banter conversation. No, no. <laughs> We're like, no. oh, hi. Hi, Courtney. How was your weekend? So tell me about ego. <laughs> like talk to me about deconstructing racism. Let's talk about the history yeah, of the Ku Klux yeah. Klan. Like this is... <laughs> So, because we don't got one, we don't have one second to wait. That's why we gotta get right to the work. Um, yeah. So we're just trying to do what's uh, what's authentic to us, I suppose. This is yeah. just the nature yeah, of our relationship. So, yeah, I'm super curious of where this episode is gonna go, as I usually am. So let me tell you, uh, our listeners, a little bit about Shakita Yarrow, because if you didn't tune in last week. So she is the director of community engagement and equity for the YWCA in Boulder County. And she runs several programs focused on race equity, such as reading to end racism, Latina achievement support, and STEM E3 for girls of color. I mean, the list of the things that she does for her community is endless. It's incredible. And as Courtney was alluded to, it is uh, her run for city council at large in Longmont here in Colorado is historic um, because she's the first black person, not 
first black woman, first black person to run for city council in Longmont. And that election in in real time will be happening next week or when mm. this episode is released this week. So look at the news, see if she she grabs that seat. I feel pretty good about it, but I, I don't vote in Longmont. So anyone who votes in Longmont, get out there and vote. She has already raised more than any other city council at large candidate in Longmont's history. So the support seems to be there, which is exciting. And we had a really interesting conversation with her about representation. And this kind of naturally led to a conversation about power. And so I want to start everyone off with this quote um, about, um, you know, when she was kind of reflecting back to us, that our three pillars that we talk about in our introduction is you know, looking at culture, ego, and power. And she posed these questions to us. How do we build trust with our community, within one another, with one another? I think we have to understand what does power mean to you, you know? And I know one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and I, my mind is jumping, Let's, let me stay focused, Shakita. So what does power mean to each individual? That's the question. Because in the hood, power may mean just to have enough money to go to have food or to help another neighbor out. And in the affluent neighborhood, power may be being the chair of the most prestigious organization there is. To say, I'm, on, I'm the chair of this, I'm the chair of that. And it really is power. So what does power mean to each person? That's that's. That's the that's what we need to figure out. So this question of of power, I mean, first of all, if you go back and listen to the episode, I think it's interesting because all three of us had a different definition of power. And as she pointed out, like if we need if we want to build trust, if we want to get on the same page, if we want to have each other's backs, we kind of need to know how each other define power. And I just wanted to make it really explicit in terms of, you know, what um I'm experiencing today <laughs> why power is so important. And I guess fundamentally, you know, power, the, the people in power have control and the people in power control the resources and they also control the narrative and they control the dialogue. And so for our listeners, so I went to an elite white prep school in Massachusetts called Middlesex School. And Middlesex has been in the um, the news quite a bit because they invited the creator of the 6019 Project, Dr. Nicole Hannah-Jones, to come speak in Black History Month in 2020. And, oh, sorry, 2022. And then they disinvited her last week, uh, basically citing they were concerned about the noise that she would create they cited, you know, we're concerned that the outside community would be distracting to the value she would bring. And the whole Middlesex community, alumni and students and teachers are pretty much up in arms. Like, why would you do that? This is a someone coming in to talk about slavery and um, history and critical race theory. And the school talks about standing for anti-racism work, standing for diversity and inclusion. And then when it came down to it, they were in the position of power to shut down this conversation, right? And I think there's a scramble by 
all of us in the water wire community to to get power, you know, like do we sign things? The students did a walkout, you know, I'm heading up a fundraiser to try to get her to speak to the school. And yeah, I, I'm just wondering in that situation, Courtney, how you see, how you see power playing out and how do we work to create important discourse in the face of incredible power? I say incredible power because this school is really well endowed. See, the thing about power and how we define it, to me, is it comes from uh, our individual experiences. If you've always been powerful, power looks a lot different than someone who has never had power. And so with regards to the school, you said the reason that they disinvited her is because w- w- why, why did they disinvite her? So what they said was they disinvited her because they were concerned that individuals from outside our community might inadvertently distract from the insights and perspectives that she intended to share. Nah, that's, 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 that's a nice way of saying that we create a culture here that um, we see what we see and we do what we do, but we really don't want to turn over the apple cart or, or mess up a culture that we have here. So anyone coming from the outside that we think may do that can't mess up our reality here, you know? And so I think that was a very PC-worded disinvitation to say, we don't want to mess up whatever culture they have there. And if there's a threat to speaking truth to power in any kind of way, from my vantage point, this is what I heard. I don't. We we can't have. We can't have that. And um, like you like you said, I don't know the population. I don't know the demographics of the school that she went to. I don't know any of that. However, if you're really serious about doing DEI work, you welcome not adversity, but you welcome uh, a type of discomfort. Yeah, it's during you know? stirring up the pot. Yeah. If we're going to change yeah. the status quo, it's going to be even if. You know, because I'm, I'm just getting to know her work more now, and I see you know comments, trolling comments on her, the articles that reference her that are like you know, oh, she's a pseudo historian, she's spreading lies. I mean, even if you're coming from that perspective as an educational institution, wouldn't that be a, a wonderful challenge to your students? Like, yes, can you go figure out, figure out the facts? How do you how do you cross check fact? I mean, that's I feel like my college career, right? It was about like it, and grad school. What is the citation? How do I know it's a credible source? Just don't take things at face value. Think critically. And yeah, see, the, the, if you're like I said, if you're really not trying to 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 pressure someone or create true change or educate truly, you don't want to mess up the the image of the institution because it's all, like you said, they have a heavy endowment and people in power and resources set the the terms of this, uh, the continuation of the funding, you know? And so if they say, look, we go here, we have reputation, here's a couple million dollars, keep pushing what we push. I mean, they can't say much from the school perspective. And when we talk about power, 
I mean, it all it always comes back to resources and, and economics. Yeah. You know, that's that's where the power lies, you know. So it's really unfortunate that the school you went to won't be um challenged in a way that it should be with regards to DEI work. Whether I mean, I feel like if we had a possibility up here to get Trump to speak here at the school, that wouldn't be against the values. In fact, that would be a live and in-person thing to test what we hold true and dear. It's someone that we're we're 100% against comes and speaks and the rhetoric that they may bring um, may, may, may incite anything. Obviously, we we put up parameters and we do certain things, but that's education to me. It should be a a, a a challenging thing so that you can know what you know and what you need to learn more of with that. But everyone doesn't agree with I that. I mean, and the interesting thing is that in canceling her to avoid conflict, they're in this huge yeah. conflict that's now written up in the Globe and the New York Times. And exactly. it happens. There's inevitability to this work. Like we are... There's enough people focused on accountability and on, like, we have to push this forward that they're experiencing that anyway. So there's an... Yeah. And we, so we've been talking about power and there's, I feel like there's a role of ego here too that's important to point out, which is, so us, um, the alumni that I've been in touch with are frustrated by the lack of complete transparency of what happened and... I feel like it would be incredibly healing for the community if, if refreshingly, the school, the trustees, everyone, the board was totally transparent. But I doubt they will because of ego and power. Because it's like you got to hold the cards close to your chest unless, I mean, I don't know. I, like we're even in this conversation, we're making some assumptions about what, what went on based on press. We're, we're working with what we have. There was something thrown around at one point about a scheduling conflict or something. And I'm like, I don't even, wait, you already made this other statement. So yeah, yeah, I I I want to bring this this point up about ego and transparency because I see it with corporations too, around like we want to stand for psychological safety and DEI work, but we're not willing to go all the way and be totally transparent. I, I hate that. I would rather you say, I hate BIPOC. I do not like colored people. And I would have more respect for that corporation versus the corporations that have one foot in and one foot out. That is really dangerous. I feel the same way, but now we have this whole cancel culture thing, right? And people are like, if we tell the truth, if we basically admit what's going on here, and this is, let's take this conversation away from Middlesex because I, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. If we admit yeah. what, you know, if we're totally transparent that like, okay, we're, we're not able to put funding towards DEI, but we want to put it on our website or whatever it is, that they'll get canceled. And so there's like this pressure. So how do you navigate yeah. <laughs> You see, it's going to take a very courageous company to be 100% transparent. And, I'll, and 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 that's easy to say now that I'm not a millionaire, right. you know, and I don't have families to to support and 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 four hundred one ks and pay, and all that insurance and all that stuff to think about. However, see the thing about DI work is trendy now. It's cool. The purity of the work is lost in the the um, the trendiness of say it. more about that. Like, what's so, the purity of the work? 
meaning that we're really addressing the needs of individuals who have been oppressed um, for so mm-hmm. long, right? Where we're really causing further harm because we're not honestly addressing what DEI work should be addressing. This is about people. It's not about trends. Exactly, 100%. But George Floyd sparked something that has been in existence since inception of this country. Right. And so to to have laws, George Floyd law, this and that, voting rights, like it's, we've been fighting for voting rights and gerrymandering and education and housing for, for, for generations now. And now that we had a pandemic and eyes were wide open, all of a sudden it's on the forefront. Now companies have whole departments to DEI work. People have reimagined their whole organization to do DEI work. It's good and infuriating at the same time to me. That is, yeah, that is taken right now to do all that. Yeah. And Chiquita said something along these lines as well. We'll put that in here. You know, when we're talking about representation, I feel like what you all are doing, you are representing the world right now. And it's important. And it's also unfortunate that we're still having this conversation. And, and, and so as far as like the, the culture that we live in and the castle culture, we're going to have to risk losing everything to gain everything. That's the, that's, that's the reality. Because it's like you're, you're, you're dipping your toe. If you, and again, this is, I am not naive to think that it won't be difficult to go out there and say, look, we believe in DEI, but we need a website. Mm-hmm. Because you do need a website. Mm-hmm. Like that's that you're you're not if you said, yeah, you know what? Right now, for this next year, we won't focus on DEI. We're focusing on workers' compensation. Again, DEI is just not a phrase. Workers comp could be DEI. You know, every everything is DEI work. If your organization, the website, it could be DEI mm-hmm. work. But we think only if you phrase it as DEI work, is it true DEI? If you're if if you, the the blood of your organization is to make sure that everyone is given what they need equitably, you're doing DEI. You don't have to announce that. You don't have to have the mantra or the tagline on your website that says we believe in black people. We That's believe just in black people. Like, we believe black people are people too. It's kind of ridiculous yeah. that that even needs to. It should be assumed. It's ridiculous, yeah. and I yeah. oh. Uh, yeah, it's it is it's painful that that conversation is still happening. Yeah, it's painful. It, and I'm just coming back to power, you know, like it's when you said like we have to risk losing everything to create the change. I just like when you said that, I'm like, <laughs> I just don't see it happening. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like I just yeah. the 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 power is so consolidated and so strong until someone comes along with just as much power and as much audacity, we're gonna keep in the status quo, right? You know, and 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 that's honestly the reality. And and this is what this is my life work. Just imagine if we have a a situation where who cares? I have all the resources. I have all the money I need. So. I can really be audacious and do certain things in a creative way, 
Yeah. That 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 has given me so much purpose in my life and to push and make and sacrifice, you know, and so because I feel I, that. I think of like um of Patagonia. Patagonia is a very well established brand, high quality clothes. And at some point they made the decision to completely wrap their brand up with environmentalism. Like they were like, this is this is what we stand for. There is no separation between what we do. They buy back clothes, they recycle clothes, they, you know, they stand by their quality. They haven't sacrificed anything to stand by a cause unwaveringly. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Without yeah, wavering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and the I mean, I've seen it happen too, like 350.org, a great Climate activism group has now fo- refocused on climate justice, and that's their lens. And I'm sure there are other ones, but we need the powerful companies and institutions to be willing to wrap themselves up and trust that there are enough. I guess it's trust, right? That there are enough people out there that will be like, I will start choosing your organization because of what you stand for. And that's the new reality of corporations. That's not what businesses were when, you know, in the 50s and 60s. Businesses were not standing for social causes. No, see, just imagine if Microsoft, um, Apple, Amazon say, you know what? Social justice, that's all we care about. Right. Yo, <laughs> that would be such a revolution. But again, the, the, I mean, I, I don't know why. I'm, I don't sit on the board of Amazon or Apple or Microsoft or any of those. But from looking on the outside, like that's one toe in, one toe out. You see, nothing against Patagonia, and I'm glad to talk about environmental justice. But of all of the justices, that's uh, that's a safer one. Yeah, no, I don't think they're talking about environmental justice. They're talking about saving the environment. Okay, okay. See, so, and, and again, I'm not doing the judge because we need that environment, but I would love to see an organization say, you know what, justice across the board, whether it's climate justice, housing justice, financial justice, healthcare justice, education justice, like social justice all wrapped up and make that what they live and 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 die by, I think that would be a different type of platform to stand on as far as um justice, for lack of a better term, for justice concerned. Because I think you'll do Amazon again. I go back to that. If they wrap themselves off in all of the injustice and, and disparity and the marginalization that exists in our country today, for one year, this country will look different. I mean, think about even if they put tiny little educational things on the outside of their gazillion boxes that went out every day. Yeah. You know, like... Every, every. <laughs> that, I mean, every in terms day. of creating new neuropathways, that sort of repetition, you know, if they they have enough they have enough money to figure out the cleverest way to do that. But, um, yeah. yeah. If you're a billion, if you're worth over a hundred billion dollars, what are you spending what your money on? What are you on? spending your money We've we've talked about Jeff Bezos before on this. It's just, what are you spending your money on? What <laughs> going what to brings you going to space? <laughs> He's him him and Elon Musk going to space. Like it's like I'm going to Boulder. <laughs> I mean, I just don't I, I just don't understand it. Like, dude, we get it. You can go to space. 
My man's over here needs to be educated. They can't pay for for their lights. And I'm again, I don't sit on those boards. And I hope one day I'm able to see, yeah. like, look behind the curtain and see why is it so why is it so easy to finance Africa and Indonesia and all of these third world countries and 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 societies when we live in a in a country where poverty is reminiscent of a third world country like why why maybe maybe just a part of the education that i need to see oh that's why you can't do it oh that's why it's hard to do or if they're doing it why people don't know maybe is that everyone's doing something but i don't know you know and so it's just like so i try to try not to judge and just um continue to grind and 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 do do things like humanize yeah I mean, if they're doing something, most likely, now this dips into international development, most likely they're not doing things <laughs> to raise up the voices of the people in those countries to, to empower them to address the problems that they see. They're probably working on the problem that they feel like their board wants to see. Which brings us to the last thing we want to touch upon today, which is this conversation. So we were talking about representation with Shakita, obviously in the context of her being the first black person to run for city council at large or city council in Longmont. And, and then we kind of like talked a little bit about tokenism and in this context of having powerful institutions make decisions for, you know, that would benefit the community that would be coming from directly from the needs of the community. So listening to the community, using the power to listen and there is a very important need to have people on those boards in those positions from the communities. Do you feel like it's okay to have this step of of tokenism in the process of evolving and diversifying a board if they can't identify the, the completely right person within the community? to be on the board or the, you know, the right person doesn't have time. Is it worth just having a representative of the community to change the norms, to change the face of that board, to attract other people from the community to feel involved or not? <laughs> um, great question. Um, representation is everything. You know, a lot of people just fill seats or or do certain things in a community that they do not have any familiarity with. Like, okay, so policing, huge, huge example. You have a police officer from from Boulder who now works in Aurora with people of color, mm -hmm. and his ed his education about the community is only one of a people of color always watch your back if they were in a hoodie this and that but you haven't stepped in the community or you spend you don't spend that much time in the community only when you're at work that is very dangerous for yourself and the community mm -hmm. and it shows it shows in the policing and the reason on your board you want individuals that represent the community is because the decisions that have to do that that impact them need to come from people that know the issues. However, when I'm working with a community, I don't just go in there and say, "Hey, 
what do you need? Or hey, take these clothes, take these food, and have a great day. I literally go and knock on a door, talk to people, sit on the corner, have conversations because Build I trust, can make a lot of assistance. ask them what they're you have ask to. them about their kids, ask them about their you know, and to. then you have here emerge like yeah, exactly. That's why a board, if it's doing its job for oversight, they need to make sure that individuals that are offering the oversight know what they're looking at. Because you can't you can't create change when you don't know a problem exists. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why representation is is everything. It's much more important than to me than how long you've been a lawyer or how 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 many degrees you have. Representation may need to be the 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 X factor as to why you get a job versus someone else who get a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, and it's also about like the mix, the interface of the of different communities, right? Of someone who might be, you know, incredibly educated and have all these degrees, and then also someone who we don't care about their level of education. They are a trusted individual within this community, and people look to them. They're a formal or an informal leader. That is power to everyone on that it board. Is power. Like that's an yes. incredible amount of power. And we have like, I don't know. You just need to just get better at building those those bridges between people of power and and people who don't have power. And that's going to be. I think I think we have that earmarked as a a mini episode that we're going to do going ahead. Yeah. And I'm yeah. curious what you're going to say because I've been thinking about it. And I'm like, how it's hard to help people build trust between different power positions if they're not particularly interested in it and it really comes to the person of power to to be doing the work (laughs) yeah i I will just say as we as we wrap up one more thing about representation it is it's you notice i didn't say one thing about black white green yellow no matter where you come from representation a white guy could be a better representation of a community of color than a person of color in that same community. It, it goes back to your values, the length of time that you took to actually gain the relationship that you need in said community. It doesn't always have to to resemble individuals from that community. Mm. I just wanted mm-hmm. to say that yeah. um, Thank you. because people assume representation is always, I'm black, I'm going to the black community, so I'm the best representative of said community. That's not always That's not the always case. That's always case. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So. Oh, well, thank you for this conversation today, Courtney. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to mention if people are listening to the podcast and you're like, wow, how do I support these folks continuing to do their work? We do have a Patreon page patreon.com backslash the humanized podcast. All of the funds we raise there go towards our production team. So that is a great way to support us. So thank you for considering that. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Um, we appreciate you. And I think this is it, right? We're going to wrap this thing on up. Let Emily get the whole work. <laughs> I'm about to do something. Uh, we love y'all. Seriously, appreciate you. Let's get this work done. See ya. 
Thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at The Humanize Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love.